Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. If you're interested in more information about our church, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church. So we're here in uh, Philippians chapter number one. And if you just joined with us, uh, we've been spending some time here at this prominent prayer that uh, Paul offers for this uh, church at Philippi. And as I said before, this this prayer packs a very powerful gospel truth uh, because what Paul is praying for, he's asking for some things that are very specific for this church at Philippi. This prayer is not very lengthy. It's only about 50 words, one sentence, uh, but yet the the depth of this prayer is just uh, phenomenal. And I hope you've really been seeing how this prayer has been, been flowing, how, how it progresses, uh, how Paul starts out with uh, telling us that we need to abound in love, but not just with love, but with love with knowledge and discernment. Uh, so that way you can approve what is excellent. Uh, so in that case, that you can be pure and blameless uh, for the day of Christ. And at the heart of this prayer is the gospel. It's, it's loving with knowledge, the fact that as we, uh, as we grow in our love for Christ, as we're experiencing the gospel more and more, as we're uh, delving into the, uh, to the meaning of the gospel and what the gospel is, uh, and as the gospel transforms us, uh, that, that love continues to grow more and more. And as I said, it's like the uh, person that goes to the ocean. You can put your feet just right at the very uh, part of the ocean and just kind of touch your feet. You could say, well, I'm in the ocean, but not really. Uh, the, the deeper out that you go, the, the further in that you go, uh, the more you're able to experience more and more of that ocean. And it's the same way with the love of God. Until you f- fully launch out into the deep and allow the love of God to change and transform you through the message of the gospel, um, we really don't come to know Christ the way that, uh, as Paul said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings. And so um, we need to learn this prayer and, and allow this prayer to transform us because I believe when we allow this prayer to transform us, it, it changes us from focusing on self to then start focusing on Christ, on God and what uh, he is doing. And it uh, all comes down to uh, the glory of God. And so here's what I'd like for you to take away with you today. Be filled with the righteousness of Christ to the glory of God. Be filled with the righteousness of Christ to the glory of God. And just to kind of briefly recap, as we kind of went through this uh, last week, we talked about being pure and blameless for the day of Christ is what uh, Paul talked about and approving what is excellent. So let's read this prayer. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Why do we need to approve what is excellent, Paul? Well, so that we will be pure and blameless at the day of Christ. When Christ returns and he's returning, he's coming, he's got it on his calendar, it's set, And when he returns, 
He wants to find us pure and blameless. And uh, we talked about those two words uh, last week about being pure. What does it mean to be pure? It's the, the idea of being sincere. The, the word is without wax, or another way we look at it is without hypocrisy. Uh, the merchants in the old days, what they used to do is they'd sell pottery and uh, pottery that had defects and cracks and voids in them. They would uh, dishonestly fill them with wax as to pass it off as something uh, that was whole and complete. And one way that you could figure out if that pottery was, uh, was uh, dishonest was you would hold it up to the light and you would examine it. And uh, the whole idea is here that we are judged with light. Christ being our judge, Christ the one who is righteous, Christ who is light, judges us and knows our hearts. And so we are to be without hypocrisy. And so we are to be pure and blameless, is what he says. And we do that through discernment. We do that through approving what is excellent, approving what is true, approving what is right, and focusing on those things, allowing those things to change and transform form us. And then he talked about this idea about being blameless, not in the sense that we are sinless, but in the idea that we are without offense, that we are not being led into sin. You see, I believe when Christ returns, there's going to be a lot of different things that are going to be going on. There are going to be some people who are very excited at his coming, at his return, but then there's going to be a lot of people who are very ashamed at his coming. Why? Because they are walking in darkness, because they're not practicing truth, because they're living lives of hypocrisy. And see, Paul prays for this church that their lives would be pure and blameless at the coming of Jesus Christ, having a blameless conscience. And so we are to be living this way for the day of Christ. Am I living in light of Christ's soon coming? Are you living in light of Christ's soon coming? Are we living in a way that would bring honor and glory to Christ. And see, that's what Paul prays for this church, and that is what we should be praying for ourselves as well. So look at the second thing here. He talks about being filled with the fruit of righteousness. Now, notice this. This is what this prayer produces. When we, as believers, are abounding in love with knowledge and discernment, and we are proving what is excellent, and we are being pure and blameless for the coming of Jesus Christ, if we're living in this way, look what this produces. He tells us here that you will be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Would you say that's pretty essential? To be filled with the righteousness, the fruit of the righteousness of Jesus Christ? That's something that we should really be honing in on as believers, really be focusing in on to be making sure that we're living this way, that we are filled, being filled with the fruit of righteousness. Now, that's a pretty interesting phrase, isn't it? The fruit of righteousness. There's an observation that we really need to look at, and this observation is this. Is this the fruit that consists of righteousness, or is it the fruit that comes out of righteousness? It's kind of unclear what, what Paul is saying here. I believe that it can be both in, in this instance. 
But what's important to note is that what this fruit, that it comes not as a result of our own doing. It's not something that we work up ourselves. Notice where it comes from. Look what he says here. To be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through where? Jesus Christ. This is not something that you and I produce on ourselves. This is something that as we are abounding in love with all knowledge and discernment, as we are approving what is excellent, that there's a filling that happens within the life of the believer. And they are filled with the fruit of righteousness that only comes through Jesus Christ. This is not one of those things, fake it till you make it type things, okay? This is actual, true, authentic Christianity that Paul is talking about here. And so he says that it comes through Jesus Christ, which is to say really through the empowering that he supplies us by his spirit. You know, I think that we can conclude that being filled with the fruit of righteousness has really nothing to do with religion. It's not something that you uh, come on a Sunday morning, you're like, oh yeah, man, I got me some of that fruit of righteousness of Jesus Christ this morning. 1045, I got it. No. This comes through a life of consistency, living for Christ, walking in truth, approving what is excellent, allowing the gospel to continue to transform your life. It's not made through self-made efforts to impress others with your spirituality. So the big question is, what is this fruit of righteousness that he's talking about here? Let me give you a helpful way of studying God's word. When you, when you come across phrases and passages such like this, a good way to try to hone in and figure out what the author is intending and he's talking about is you look for other places where that phrase might be used in other passages of scripture. The Bible will always interpret itself. Scripture always interprets scripture. And so if you have a good study Bible that has a concordance in it or one with study notes at the body, you might find little uh, numbers or letters and you look up those cross references and you find out where else is this? Do we see these things in the word of God? And so let's look at a couple things, places that we see what Paul is trying to talk about here so we can wrap our mind about being filled with the fruit of righteousness. Let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 12. In verse number 11, here in Hebrews 12, we have here about faith that is being defined for us. And he tells us that it's looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, the perfecter of our faith, the completer of our faith. But then he tells us here, the author writes here in verse number 11, he says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Just ask my daughter about that one. How many of your parents said, this hurts me more than it's gonna hurt you? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit, here it is, of righteousness 
to those who have been trained by it. And so in this passage, we see how God's discipline of us as believers is, our, is, is all for our good. And so as God is disciplining us, he's doing it for our good. It's for help us, to help us and enable us. And so he permits us to have those struggles. He permits us to have those difficulties. Why? So that we will look towards him, trusting in him, allowing Christ to be the one who we are trusting in. And so it allows us to live, ultimately live a life that later yields, is what the author says here, later yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So we can see here just from, from this one in Hebrews, just like how Philippians 1.11 talks about that the fruit which comes from the Christian life is that which comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Because we are trusting in him, because we're relying upon him, it brings about fruit of righteousness because we're not trusting in ourselves. We're not trusting other things. We are trusting in Christ and Christ alone. Let's look at another text here that we find. Flip over to do Ephesians chapter 3. And look at verse number 19. Here is another prayer of Paul. And he's, he's praying this. Look what he says here. And he says, And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you, mark it here, may be filled with all the fullness of God. And so here the Apostle Paul prays that the Christians here at Ephesus would know the love of Christ and be filled with all the fullness of God. To be in union with Christ, saved and shaped as a Christian by faith in Christ, is to be filled with the Spirit of Christ. Again, this all comes down to the fact of allowing ourselves to continue to abound in love with knowledge, allowing the gospel to continue to transform our lives so that we might be filled with this fullness of what Paul says here, the fullness of God, because the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And so it's something that we as believers as we are walking in the Spirit, as we are walking in the Word of God, walking in truth, approving what is right, having discernment, that we become filled with the righteousness of Christ. Let's look at one more. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. And here within this context, Paul is... Uh, showing us that because a Christian has the Holy Spirit dwelling uh, inside of them, that they are to walk by the Spirit and not to be gratifying the lust of the flesh. You see, every single morning that you and I wake up, we have a decision to make. And that is, am I going to walk in the Spirit or am I going to walk in the flesh? And then Paul gives these lists about the fruits of the Spirit. And then he gives the list about the fruits of the flesh, what it produces. And look what he says here in Galatians 5.22. 
Notice this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And so Paul tells us here that this way of living by the Spirit produces the fruit of the Spirit that we see evident in the Christian's life. You and I don't produce love, joy, gentleness, goodness, kindness, meekness, temperance on our own. We don't do that. It's the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of Mike, not the fruit of you. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And so we as believers have to walk in the Spirit so that the fruit of the Spirit will come naturally. Did you ever see an orange tree trying to produce fruit? Do you ever see how it struggles? Does it do that? It produces it naturally. And we as believers in Christ, as we walk in the Spirit, we will produce the fruit of the Spirit naturally. It's a natural thing to produce the fruit of the Spirit. And really that is evidence of being born again. That you walk in the Spirit, you're producing the fruit of the Spirit. And so as we look at these texts, all three of these texts, from a whole picture, if we can try to form this whole idea of what Paul is talking about here in Philippians, is what he says here, that you may approve what is excellent and that you are filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. And so when we talk about this, we see that Paul's prayer would be one that we ourselves should want to pray for ourselves. Can I ask you a question? Is this something that you want in your life? Do you want to be filled with the fruit of the righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ? Is that something that is on the top of your prayer list? Or is it other things, things that are temporal? Things that don't really have any eternal value or worth. See, again, this goes all back down to approving what is excellent, having discernment. You see, there are things in our lives that are just, uh, that are mediocre. There are things that, that just really don't value our time or our worth. And that's why Paul says, you need to be approving what is excellent. This should be a prayer for yourself that you would be filled with the righteousness, the fruit of righteousness of Jesus Christ. That should be a prayer for this church, that we as believers should be praying this. This is a prayer that you should be praying for other believers in this church, that they would be filled with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You see, we pray as we are filled with the Spirit that we would produce the fruit of the Spirit. We pray that we would abound in love and knowledge of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. That's the gospel. That's rehearsing the gospel over and over and over and over again. We pray that as we go through trials and pains, that even partnering with people who suffer, even as these Philippians did. Where was Paul? Remember where he was? He was in prison. 
What did the Philippians do? They partnered with him. He says that your partnership, he says, I'm overjoyed because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day, even until now. They had partnered with Paul. They had came alongside with him. And so we would pray that we would yield the fruit of righteousness, that we would live for Jesus our Lord. You see, what God's word is saying here is that we ought to pray that the gospel changes us, that we produce the fruit of being righteous in Christ, and that God gets all the glory and praise for this. Why? Because for God is the one who has given us grace. So is that a prayer of yours? Is that a prayer of mine that we would pray that the gospel would continue to transform our lives? Or if we just kind of set it in neutral and we're coasting downhill now. That should never be. Because the idea is that we would be pure and blameless on the day of Jesus Christ when he returns. Remember what Paul said? He said, I'm running this race. He says, there's a race. He says, I can't stop. I gotta continue to run the race. I gotta continue to endure because there's only gonna be one that wins. And he says, I wanna cross the finish line well. And so while even Paul was sitting in prison, don't you think when Paul was sitting in prison, he could have just been like, well, <laughs> well my life's over. I think I'm just gonna sit here and catch up on the newest uh, show of the Kardashians. No. Even while in prison, he continued. He praised this for the church that they would abound more and more. And I believe Paul could pray that because he himself had done that in his life. You see, all of this comes because of our union with Christ and in him alone. And as we wrap it all together, this work of God is in us. We are left with the most amazing thing yet. Because look at verse number 11. And I love this. We're filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Notice this, to the glory and praise of God. I love that. It's like just like this triumphant ending. Christ is doing a work in you. Christ is changing you and transforming you as you walk in the spirit. And what is the purpose for it all? To the praise and the glory of God. You see, as we abound in discerning love, which leads to godly character and good deeds, God will be exalted in and through us so that both we and others will praise him for his grace and his power. What is the ultimate goal of the Christian life? What is it? To get people to like you? Is it to become something great in the eyes of men? What is the ultimate goal of the Christian life? What should be our aim? What is the goal of this church? Here's the answer. The goal of the Christian life is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's it. That's the, that's the reason why we were created. Did you know that? God created you so that you would glorify him and enjoy him forever. He is glorified and he is made to look good as he really truly is 
when you and I abound in discerning love, when we practice exactly what Paul is telling us to do here. You see, what happens as we live out, as we live our lives in this prayer, when we love and we embrace God's truths, when we move forward toward a more Christ-like walk, we begin working in the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit are being produced in our life. We're doing good works. What happens in all of that? Just what Paul says here. God is glorified. It's not us, it's him. And this is what makes the difference in how we view our walk with Christ, really. You see, is it a joyous desire to bring glory to God or to live a life of ho-hum drum? What is your desire? You see, this will really change your outlook as you live for Christ. If your desire is to bring glory to Jesus Christ and him alone, then this will transform your life. But if you're just living a life, just ho-hum, drum, just kind of coasting through life, you're going to be miserable because there's nothing in this world that satisfies. Only Christ satisfies. I mean, when Christ talks about living the abundant life, I mean, was he serious about that? Or was he like, well, it's only a one-time thing. I mean, you know, I mean, well, you know, you get saved and, you know, I mean, you're all happy, but then, you know, then you just kind of have life and you just got to kind of deal with it then. I mean, was he serious about that? When Paul talks about having joy that is overflowing, I mean, was he just kind of losing his losing his mind there. I mean, he's probably been sitting in prison too long and eh, that Paul, man, I don't know. I think he's got, he's got a few screws loose. I mean, was he serious about this stuff? I believe he was. Because it all comes down to, are we living our life for the glory and the praise of God? And see, that's what should drive our response. Look at verse number nine, what he says here. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. What brings praise and honor and glory to God when our love is abounding more and more with all knowledge and discernment as we are growing in the gospel, as we're allowing the gospel to transform us, as we are going deep into the love of God and we're being changed and transformed. You see, either we are overwhelmed by God's love that we want to lift up his name, praise his name, make our lives about him for his name's sake, or we're still stuck in a rut of concern about ourselves, our circumstances, our wants, our desires, our needs, our problems, or we live a life that is to the praise and the glory of God. You see, all of this stems from what our treasure is what's driving your heart? Jesus said in Matthew chapter number six, he talked about laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He says, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt. And he says, where thieves cannot get in and break in or steal. And he says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And then he says this, something that's very just, like a dagger just sticks you right in the heart. And he says, you cannot serve two masters for either you will love the one and despise the other or you'll cling to the one 
you hate the other. And in this case, in the context, he was talking about trying to serve both God and money. But I think we could really put anything else in there, right? What is the treasure of your heart? You see, if the treasure of your heart is to glorify Christ, to know Christ, to know his love, to be deep into the, to the message of the gospel and allowing the gospel to continue to transform your life and your heart, then that's where your treasure will be. That's where your heart will be. But if your heart is divided and it's not focused on Christ, if it's not to love Christ and to honor Christ and to praise Christ and to glorify Christ, then it's for something else. And as the words of Jesus ring true, he says, either you will love the one and despise the other. You cling to the one and you'll hate the other. We never really think of ourselves as hating Christ, do we? But when we have other idols in our hearts, that's exactly what we do. Because there's no room. Jesus does not leave any room for two masters. He says there's only gonna be one. And so does Christ sit at the throne of your heart? Can we actually say what Paul says here? That we're living a life that would bring honor and glory to God. Think of where Paul was here again. Where was he? He was sitting in prison. He wasn't leaving. In fact, he would die while in prison uh, by beheading. But yet in prison, Paul writes to this church and prays for them for their love to abound, that God would get all the glory. You see, Paul could say these things because he himself had been transformed by this very truth as well. You see, as believers, we are to live for him because he is God. We are to love him because he is God. He is a God who intervenes into our evil world and lives and raises us up into heaven. He forgives us our sin. He cleanses us. He washes us clean from the filth of the, of the, of the, of the world that we have wallowed in. He makes us new. He redeems us from the grave. He takes away the sting of death. He makes death a glorious event. He does all of this for us and in us. And he says, live for me. Take up your cross and follow me. Because if you don't, you cannot be my disciple. So what is it for you? What is it for us as the church here? We're gonna live for Christ. We're gonna live for self. That's Paul's prayer for this church at Philippi, that they would abound more and more in love with knowledge and discernment so that they may approve what is excellence, so that they might be pure and blameless at the day of Christ, being filled with the righteousness, the fruit of righteousness of Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifewiththeridge.church.